You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think of them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. My name is Jake. I'm an associate pastor here at Schweitzer. Uh, it's a privilege for you to be here with me, for me to be here with you. Um, and we've got just a fantastic uh, prayer, message, scripture to connect to this morning. First thing I want to express to you, though, is something in my spirit um, that's been growing. It's a growing sense of angst that I feel. Uh, I went to... Um, I went to... Uh, uh, the Missouri Annual United Methodist uh, Conference or whatever that's going on uh, here in Springfield where every conference, or every uh, uh, pastor and clergy and everyone from the state of Missouri and the Methodist Church comes to Springfield once a year. And, um, and so we talk about what's going on in the church, um, the mission of the church, all kinds of things. And one of the things we talk about um, is the desire to be outwardly focused and spiritually centered. It's good language, outwardly focused and spiritually centered. But here's where my angst comes in, is that I fear, although we love this language, is that we are, are far too uh, enticed by the outwardly focused aspect and, and, and not nearly uh, drawn enough to the spiritually centered aspect of that statement. I fear that even where outward focus um, occurs, it lacks the spiritual centrality that's necessary for it to matter, for there, there to be any effectiveness in the life of the church at all. And so there's, there's growing angst inside of me about the state of our church, not, not the Methodist church, uh, not Schweitzer, not, not the institution. I'm talking about the people of God. It's this growing angst inside of me that we are have not even just are losing but have lost and have been without a spiritual centeredness for a long time. I'll give you an example of this. My, um, uh, I was in a seminary course just last semester, finished a few weeks ago, and uh, towards the end of that course, we have discussion boards and we talk with our classmates. I was on a team with four other guys in that class who are also going to become pastors, um, clergy, people leading others spiritually, and I was expressing these very feelings um, and, and how, how can we pastors, the leaders of the church, not be praying 
daily, right? And this is a reality that I know is true. I mean, it's not true of my own life, but it, um, I take prayer very seriously, even though at times I fail. The point being that, like, I put this out there, and the four of them responded out of three of the four who are going to become clergy. Out of three of the four, they admitted they, they fail to pray even five minutes daily. And to some of you, that may not sound like a big deal. To me, that is, that it, you gotta understand, prayer is the lifeblood of the Christian faith. And so it's not just clergy that I'm worried about either, though. It's the people who clergy are leading. It's, it's every one of us, apart from prayer, you see, our faith is dead. Apart from prayer, our faith is dead. And I, I know for a fact that if, if a, a percentage, a large percentage of, of our clergy struggle to pray five minutes a day, how many more of those who we are leading do the same? This is not a criticism, y'all. This is not a criticism. This is truth that must be said because apart from prayer, our faith is dead. If that seems like, uh, like an oversimplification to you, that we can do nothing, we can accomplish nothing, that nothing means anything apart from prayer. If that sounds like an oversimplification, then you have an oversimplified understanding of prayer. And so that's something we're gonna get into today. I wanna help you understand prayer in a way that I've, I've been kind of thinking about it as I've been preparing this message. Um, I began to think about prayer as music. Let me explain this to you. In fact, I really just kind of started developing this this morning, too. So, so forgive me if it's not a fantastic, but um, I think it's going to make sense. Our soul is always playing music. There's always some kind of music going on in our soul. We're always singing some tune, right? There's a rhythm that dictates our life. There are things that we uh, return to, fall into, fall out of. There are themes that reoccur in our lives. There's repetition. We can start to get an idea of what types of songs we're singing. There are, are words that occupy our mind, lyrics, right? What is it that, that inspires this music? It's the events in your life, the desires of your heart. There's a, a song that your soul is singing right now and that it sings every day. What is that song? What is that music? There are all kinds of different elements going on at the same time that together, put together, they can be beautiful, elegant, and harmonious. Or they can be complete chaos, just noise. All throughout the day, every one of us, our soul is playing music. It becomes prayer when that music is directed to God. And it becomes even deeper, more meaningful prayer when that music becomes directed by God. When the Spirit begins to dictate the rhythms of our life. When the Spirit begins to dictate the recurring themes. When the Spirit begins to inspire our desires, when the spirit begins to occupy our thoughts and our mind and our heart, that's the music that we can sing. And that's the life in the spirit. So what song are you singing? 
The life that we're called to as Christians is a life of constant prayer. It's prayer without ceasing. It's hard for us to understand when we have an oversimplified understanding of prayer. But when you understand it, as I just said, right, that we're always making music, then a life of prayer is a life where that music is constantly directed by the Holy Spirit to God. Does that make sense? And this is the life that we're called to, nothing, nothing less. Okay, so this is why I'm excited about the series that we're in. Uh, I don't know if you were here last week or not. This is week two of our summer series where we're going through the book of the Psalms. And what, what are Psalms, anyone? Songs, right. Psalms are songs. Um, and, and some say poems too, but really they were meant to be accompanied with, with music, right? These are songs of God's People. And, and it's a, a tragedy, I think, in our church that uh, not all of us connect to songs or psalms very well. Um, and so I want to try to fix that. That's one of my goals in this series. It's one of my goals is that, is that those of you who just don't, never really enjoy the book, the book of Psalms, that you can begin to really fall in love with this sacred text. And it can start to become the music that plays in your heart daily. So how many of you, um, just be honest, there's no shame, how many of you like really, truly love reading the Psalms? Look around you. Don't be shame. Yeah, like not very many, right? Like not very many at all. That's probably 7% of the people in this room. All right, so the 93 other percent of you that are left out there, all right, you're on, you're on the same page, all right? There's no, there's no shame, there's no judgment here, all right? But let's just be honest about that. Now, why don't we enjoy it? Why don't we enjoy it? Um, I think, to begin with, we don't understand the purpose of it. Now, let me tell you this. The psalm has been um, foundational to the prayer life. Remember, I'm talking about prayer. It's been foundational to the prayer life of the church uh, for millennia, like almost 3,000 years. Foundational. It's kind of like, um, you know, when the karate kid goes to Mr. Miyagi, and he says, teach me how to fight, and he just has him start, like, washing windows and cars, and he's just, come on, you know, and he's doing this forever. You ever going to teach me how to fight? And then he finds out that that was the foundation of the, you know, the, the parry, the, the block or whatever, and it, it was the foundation. He didn't even know it, all right? And so the Psalms can feel this way when we go to it. But it's important that we establish this foundation. We, we begin uh, to learn to read the Psalms in a way that's effective. Now, um, how we approach the Psalms matters, Okay, if we approach them like we do the rest of the Bible often, uh, we're going to struggle. Here's what I mean. Um, a lot of times we read the Bible to grow in our knowledge of the faith, right? We, we read the Bible to, to study it, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but in the Psalms, look, there's stuff to study, but that's not the reason for which they were written. All right, and then so, sometimes uh, we go to the Bible to uh, get something out of it, like self-help, Right? Probably more often than not, we're going, we're reading the Bible, we want to know, God, what should I do today? How do I fix this issue? How do I, what, if we go there to the Psalms, to, for that reason, we're going to be disappointed a lot of the times, because that's not why they were written. See, the Psalms, like I said, are songs, and what, why is a song written? Why is a song written? Is a creative expression of someone who's been inspired by, by some emotion or some event or, or some whatever to be shared with others so that others can connect to it. It's about connecting to this music. So we need to approach the Psalms from here on out for the rest of your life. 
When you go to the Psalms, the, the primary way that you should read the Psalms is the same way that you would listen to music. It's to connect to it. It's to connect to its message. And this will be the beginning of you starting to, to see what I'm talking about, of you really being able um, to see the value in the Psalms. It's to connect to it. It's that this language of the people of God that I want to be singing in my shower because I just can't help it. My favorite part about uh, when, I, when I learn any new song, right? I think everyone's like the peak of that favoriteness of, you know, of enjoying that song is, is the moment you uh, have, have memorized all the words. You know what I'm talking about? That moment where you, like, you can sing every single word and every ha, mm, yeah, I, I just memorized You're Welcome from Moana. Uh, my daughter, it's a kid's movie or whatever. Um, and I'm, I can do like every single little noise in that song. And, and I love it right now. We sing it every single morning. Um, but that's the pinnacle because, because in that moment, the song really becomes my own, right? I don't need it to play anymore. I don't need to turn the movie on or turn the music on on Spotify. I can, I can just sing it from beginning to end on my own in the shower if I want. It becomes my own. And so that's the goal as we go through this series is to make each psalm that we go through our own. To make it our own. Make it the prayer of our heart. The song of our heart, okay? Now, this is an interesting sermon for me, okay? I did, usually it's like I take a, a message from the text and I make a point with it and I, uh, and I preach that, that message. And I'm not doing that this time because that's, that's not really what I do in this when I approach the Psalms, and so what we're going to do for the rest of our time together here um, is I'm going to show you how I have been reading Psalm 8 for the last three weeks as I've been preparing for this message. I'm going to take you through it um, and, and just kind of tell you what thoughts come to mind, how I have begun uh, to make this the song of my heart. Um, and I will admit it's, it is not yet the song of my heart. It's not. Um, for this reason, I will... When I find a psalm, uh, and, and, and I skip through psalms sometimes. You know, I'll read one, and it'll be a song uh, of lament. You know, God help me, please, or whatever, or uh, everything's awful. Or I just, I, I'm not in a place in my life where I can connect. I go to the next psalm, and when I see one that I, that I want that to be my prayer, I stay there until it becomes it. I read it every single day until it becomes the song of my heart. I'm not saying you have to do it this way, I'm just telling you. So here, that's what we're going to do. I'm going to show you how you can make this. The song of your heart. Let's read it together. You can follow along on the screens. Psalm 8, I'm in the New Living Translation, the NLT. Oh Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? Human beings that you should care for them. Hey, not too much. Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O oh Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. All right. I read it through once. Got nothing out of it. I was just on it, right? I read it through once. I'm here. I'm alone in my house, whatever. I, 
I was just words. It's like the first time you hear a song. You don't know what it's about. You just, you listen to it. It just happens, right? I got nothing out of it. But I, I, I want to read this again. So, our Lord, oh Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. And I stopped there. Okay, again, I just said those words. And I, I'm not connecting to the message. You get what I'm saying? I know you heard me say those words. But when I said them, when we read them, are you, are you really singing that with your heart? Probably not yet. Probably not yet, right? So, oh Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. All right, three times now. I'm still not feeling it. I'm still, how, how do I, how can I make this my prayer? The first thing that happens in my mind is I say, um, I say, okay, uh, honestly, God, I feel like your name is tarnished everywhere. Like there's, there's just this, there's, I look around and I, I find it difficult to see your glory everywhere. That's the, that's the honest expression that first comes to my mind. And that's okay. The Psalms, if anywhere in the Bible, um, they give us the, they tell us that it's okay to express our feelings, whatever they are to God. So that's my initial feeling is, God, I just, I... I don't see this. I don't see your, your glory displayed in the heavens or whatever. Not, not currently anyway. Maybe I have to, I, I, don't, I don't see it. So God, I want to see it. You know, I, I want to be able to say honestly, oh Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Help me. Where is your beauty? Where is your greatness? God, help me. And so as I prayed this every day for the last three weeks, that's been my prayer. As I pray it, I'm, I'm asking God, help me see your beauty. Help me. So you see how I'm, this is, it's becoming the song of my heart. It's not yet, but I've got to be sincere about where I'm at to get there. I'm not just reading the words and moving on. This is oh so very important. And I think what you'll find is that there will be a moment where you start to mean it. My moment hasn't happened yet. Really, three weeks. Three weeks. All right, so don't get discouraged. Three weeks, this moment has not happened yet for me. In fact, I lie, it did. And it was right here as we were singing, what a beautiful name. That was my moment. And that would not have been a moment, I don't think, had I not been praying this for three weeks. But when it hit me, it was like, God, yes, I see it in every person's eyes who I encounter. Around every street corner, your glory is there. In every leaf on the tree, in its beautiful like, complexity and also its simplicity, your glory is there. In every ant that I squash on my counter, like he's, he's showing the, the glory of the, of the work that, the, through ants, you know? Like, they're like workhorses. And, and in the sun, in its radiance, and its glory, and its light, this glorifies God and the expanse of the universe. And so I see it, God. You are everywhere. And I just felt this. Oh, I can't even... I can't, well, first I can't sit, sit so I'm going to stand and praise you, God. And then, but well, I can't even stand in your presence. i got to kneel. And so already it's beginning to take hold in my heart, and, and I'm physically living out this prayer. You see how this works? And I hope that this carries on not just in worship, but, but throughout my days. I want to be able to walk through life saying, God, your beauty and your greatness is everywhere. To be just floored by it. And so over the last few weeks, what God has been asking me then too, in response to this prayer, is what's getting in the way of that, Jake? 
Why don't you see my beauty and your greatness everywhere you go, especially if it's there? It's not that it's not there. He, he's every, why, why don't you see this? And I want you to ask yourself this question this morning too. And as long as you continue reading this psalm, why do we struggle to see his beauty and his greatness? And what God told me is just because, look, you're not paying attention. You, are, you see the beauty in your smartphone, you know? And, and in the next good, like, Netflix show that comes on, or YouTube video, you see the beauty in, in, in all kinds of technology and man-made things and in, in stock markets and in the next vacation that you look forward to and the greatness in all of, the greatness in yourself. And you're just, I, I'm consumed, God tells me, by all of these things that inhibit me from being able to see his beauty and his greatness. So you got to get rid of it. you got to. If you want this to become the prayer of your heart, God says to me, Jake, you got to get rid of these things. What can you get rid of? So uh, two, three days ago, I deactivated my Facebook account, step one. I'm sure it'll be back whenever I can control it, but it's just gone. I just don't need it. And I realized I wasn't on it that often, maybe 15, 20 minutes a day. But what's that, over a week? That's about two hours a week I've got back. And I didn't replace it with junk. I replaced it with every time I go to my phone and realize, oh, crap, I deleted this. I, I, I have a moment with God. There's a show that I was watching on Netflix. It was just taking up too much of my time, and so I decided to replace that with reading. And not just any reading, reading good Christian literature that inspires me and fills me and helps me grow. And um, So there's, there's certain steps I'm taking to just say, God, I want more of you. I'm becoming more disciplined with my prayer life. And, um, we, got to begin, we have to begin to ask ourselves these questions. You see already how prayer is so much more than just asking God for things. It is so much more than just about going to God and saying, hey, please, um, I lift up this person and please bless this person and help this person today and, and help me with this and have courage. You know, what, I mean, that's, and that, that is the prayer life of so many of us. And guys, prayer is so much more than this. It's got to be the very air we breathe. It's got to inspire everything that we do. Okay. Um, let's move on. The next section, he says, you have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. What does this mean? I honestly have no idea. No clue. I, I do not understand what this I've been, I've been, and I've spent some time studying it and looking at different examples and whatever. I, I have a couple ideas. But I really don't know what King David meant when he wrote this. I don't. One suggestion. I'm reminded of uh, my, my dad. He, when my oldest sister was born, my oldest sibling, um, it's his first child and he sees her. And he, he wasn't an incredibly uh, religious or spiritual man at the time or whatever, or at all. I don't really know. But he looks at her and he says he knew in the very moment, the first moment he laid eyes on her, that she wasn't his own. And I know that sounds weird coming out when you first hear it. Uh, she wasn't his own. She was God's. He just knew it. There was something about this, this baby. This baby that just testified to the existence, the power, the glory of God. I, I, I think that's what David's talking about here. There's something about um, children. Their innocence. Their laughter. Their kindness. Just, there's something about that even the enemies of God, even the it's just like there are moments in time where you look at children, at infants, and you just can't help but 
think to yourself, there's got to be something greater. You know, I think that's what David's talking about here. Um, it may be something else. I don't know. And maybe in your spirit, you're saying, God, I don't see this. I don't see children and infants telling of your strength. Help me see that. Or, or raise up a generation of children and infants who tell of your strength. You know, I, I don't know, but let this become your prayer. I haven't really connected to that one yet, so we're moving on. Um, when I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, pause. <laughs> when I look at the night sky, the first thing that comes to mind is, when is the last time I looked at the night sky? It's been way too long. How many of you have looked at the night sky? I, mean, I know we've all had these moments. Every one of us has had a moment in life where we've, we've been outside at night staring at the stars and just, and just considering the vastness of the universe. I know everyone. How many of you have done that in the last week? Wow, good for you. What about the last month? Okay, last year? Okay, all right, good. Good, everyone, it, for me it had been, I mean, it had been over a year. I mean, and I just, so he says, when I look at the night sky and see the works of your fingers, I go back to those moments, say, that's been way too long. I have not thought about the vastness of the universe in, in way, way too long. I, I have been so caught up in, in here and now and today. I'm reminded of the fact that in high school, um, the, the very thing that led me to God was that every day, it was, this was a gift from God. I don't know why, I'm 15 years old. Every single day for like a year, God uh, placed eternity on my mind. And I got the, the deepest, darkest, like most awful pit in my stomach. I'd have like anxiety attacks as I, as I considered the, the length, the depth, the, the breadth of eternity. When's the last time you considered eternity in that way. It's not something you can manufacture, but really, I mean, like, think about this. The universe is uh, estimated by modern scientists to be 13 billion years old, 13, 14 billion years old. Um, in another 13, 14 billion years, if what we believe is true, we're going to just be living. We're going to still be here. There is no end. In fact, that 13, 14 billion years won't even be relevant because there will be trillions and quadrillions of years to go and go and go into before we ever reach non-existence because we will always exist. I don't know. Maybe you just felt it. Maybe you didn't. <laughs> There's this, this pit in the depth. You're like, holy cow. And I'm worried about today. I'm worried about tomorrow. I mean, in the scope of eternity... The end of my life looks like it's just tomorrow. I mean, it's nothing. But it had been so long since I'd considered the vastness of eternity. Since I'd considered the vastness of the universe in the same respect, you know, that uh, modern scientists estimate the universe to be uh, 91 billion light years long. That means to travel from one end of the universe to another, if you could travel at the speed of light, it would take you 91 billion years to get there. Does that blow your mind? Are you kidding me? If you could travel at the speed of light, it would take you 91 billion years to get from one end of the universe to another. And it's just like, what? I forget that I, we're like, we're just like kind of stuck to this floating ball out in the middle of the universe that happens to be floating around another big ball that's really not that big in comparison to other huge, I mean, what is this? What, you know what I mean? It's bizarre, it's crazy, and it's like, but 
And it's nothing without God. It all just, it all just puts, it hurts to think about, really. But we've got to think about it. It's such a blessing because it just, it points us back to God. And it's just so, God, you are so amazing. Sorry if this is just too simple for you, but man, this stuff, like, is incredible. So that's where my mind went. Uh, um, the other night, I got back from a movie, and I went out into my deck, and I just stared at the night sky. And I got a little upset because there's a lot of light pollution, and you can't see many stars around here. <laughs> so, so I want to I wanna go out, and I want to experience that some more, and just, just, just give God some glory out in nature, you know? Um, so he says, God, when I look at the night skies, see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them? Who, who are, what are humans? I mean, there, there's nothing more humbling than thinking about eternity and, and the vastness of the universe and the bigness of God. Now, there's nothing more humbling than that. There are a few things, I, in my opinion, that will make you feel more small and insignificant than that. Who are we that you should think about us, that you should care about us. And I, wa- I want this, this, this kind of humility, this truth, to pervade my heart because when it does, this is when the gospel like just becomes incredible. This idea that, that God himself, who created this incredibly vast universe, who lives in eternity, who is the beginning and the end, that God put on flesh and became one human? What? I mean, the fact that God cares about me. Who are we that you would care about us? Who am I, God? And, and yet he does. I mean, if that doesn't blow us away, it needs to. If you want to have a greater appreciation for the gospel, a greater love for God, a greater understanding of the significance and the value of human beings... In God's eyes, make this psalm the song of your heart. He goes on to say, you made them, us, only a little lower than God. Isn't that incredible? Like This idea that, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, we will be exalted just like him. We'll share in his glory and his honor and his inheritance. God is raising up humanity to be like divinity. I mean, it's, it's just incredible. And you have crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority, the flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims in the currents. And so we, he says, I'm giving you dominion and control over creation. I want you to be good stewards of it. I want you to enjoy creation. I want you, I mean, there's just, there's this great sense of responsibility, of privilege in life. I want to be able to sing this song so that I wake up every single morning excited for life passionate about fulfilling my duty as a son of God, as a child of God. That's what I want. And I'm telling you, I'm not there yet, but I, I just, I want Psalm 8 and others but to become the song of our hearts. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. If you did nothing in your spiritual life this year besides committing this psalm to memory and making it the song of your heart, I promise you, you would accomplish more in your spiritual life than most Christians can fathom.
I mean, that's a, it's a great, awesome thing you could do. Go and do it. <laughs> Your homework this week is to begin to do that. Even if you don't stay on Psalm 8, it's just is to make Psalm 8 the song of your heart. That's your homework. And what can help you do that, guys, I'm incredibly excited about this, on your phones, download the Schweitzer app, go into Psalm's Greatest Hits right there on the front piece of the app, and our creative team, for every psalm we do in this series, is writing a song. Using the language from that psalm, they've already written a couple of, well, a lot of them, uh, produced fully two of them. Psalm 8 is one of them. Go listen to it today when you leave and apply music to the thing that was meant to have a music applied, music applied to it. <laughs> it's great. I've been listening to it. I listened to it twice this morning, um, and I've, I've got it stuck in my head. I'm singing, singing praises, man. Like, it will help you. So do this every week. Use this music. Um, let's learn to praise God. And stop singing the songs of this world, of our culture, the songs of anxiety that just like, ruin us day to day, the songs of greed that steal our mind from God. Let's start singing the songs of the Spirit, all right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you um, that your Spirit joins us to make music that... Um, is harmonious, is beautiful, is glorious. It gives us joy. It gives you joy. It expresses reality as it is. It's not fake. It's sincere. We want God. We want the music in our hearts to reflect your glory. We want to be consumed by you and your love. We want to give your spirit control. And if we're being honest, God... Part of us doesn't want that at all. So we're just honest about that. And my prayer this morning is that you just slay that part of us, just put it to death (laughs) that doesn't want it. That you bless us with your presence, your power, your joy, your love, that we might um, desire you above everything else. Teach us to pray. Teach us to sing. In Christ's name, amen.